What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Whoa! Hello, fiends, and welcome to this bonus episode of Nightmare on Film Street. We're celebrating Friday the 13th. Uh, a fucking Friday the 13th in October, right before Halloween, by sharing an episode from the Midnight at Camp Blood podcast series. Last year in the Fiend Club, we reviewed the entire Friday the 13th franchise, and we're sharing the first episode with you today. Uh, This is a lot of fun. We uh, not just review the movie, we also review the campgrounds of every movie. We try and figure out who the stinkiest Jason is, and it's all set to an immersive soundscape to make it sound like we're sitting around the campfire right now talking about our favorite watery hockey-masked boy. This is the first episode we recorded for the Midnight at Camp Blood podcast series, and you can binge every single episode right now at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. We've also got some episodes over there right now that are free for you to listen to, even if you don't join the Fiend Club. Everything that we've been recording and putting out, all the bonus episodes for October this year are free for you to listen to. It's a Halloween treat from us, and we'd love for you to join our Friday the 13th watch party tonight. Uh, you can find the details at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. You do not need to be a member of the Fiend Club. You do not need to sign up for the Patreon, but you can hang out with your fellow fiends tonight night and watch a Friday night horror movie. You can find a link for that in the episode description, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Come hang out with us, crack a beer, grab a pizza, and watch Friday the 13th Part 4 with us. Howdy, fiends, and welcome to another terrifying Fiend Club exclusive episode of Nightmare on Film Street. We've dug a grave just for you. Enjoy. And when she turned back the covers, she discovered he had no head. Ah! Man, don't you don't you miss campfire stories? <laughs> Damn. 
being scared of campfire stories. I'm pr I'm saying that like I wouldn't be scared now. Like if you told me a, a story around the campfire and then okay now go to bed in the woods. <laughs> I don't even need a campfire story to be scared in the woods. Like we we have the projector outside. I'm sure you've seen the photos and it is in the middle of trees. Like Kim makes us keep the fucking <laughs> lights on. There are bears. A bear ate the cover of the hot tub. A bear's not going to show up if he hears Jason Voorhees tearing teens apart. He like if he just might. hears any noise, you know he's not... how, how delicious our popcorn smells? <laughs> okay, there's that. I guess that we need to start bringing out We need to no get food. bear spray, John. I bear do not feel spray. safe without the... They sell it at the convenience store by our house. If, it... <laughs> if they sell it at the convenience store, it's probably a must. Right? Like, the only things you keep at a convenience store are things that you absolutely have to have and We're... can't go without. Also, it works on bears and Jason Voorhees's. <laughs> Nothing stops Jason Voorhees. That's I think true. some bear spray would. Mm, he might or a banana peel. Banana peel might. <laughs> you got You got to get real creative here. It, it depends what part Jason we're dealing with, uh, and and you know, given that we're talking here. About oh hey guys! Friday the thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Not a whole lot of Jason Voorhees to deal with. I think right now all we need is a body of water, and we've got ourselves covered. <laughs> Welcome to Midnight at Camp Blood, a very new podcast series from Nightmare on Film Street, just for you guys. We just finished up the Never Sleep Again series, recapping all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and uh, we had so much fun doing it that we wanted to jump into another franchise, and we, we knew that Friday the 13th was the way to go. We had to get some of these out before the summer ends. Yeah, we've covered a few of these on the podcast, so the first couple might be a little redundant. Hopefully we don't have all the same opinions this time around. Uh, but we love these movies so fucking much, and th nothing embodies summer quite like Jason Voorhees slashing campers at Camp Crystal Lake. So uh, we set this up, and it's going to be a blast. Yeah, we're not, we're not trying to stay awake for all 12 movies. But you know what? Everybody loves a gimmick, so we did... <laughs> <laughs> we, Especially us. <laughs> we do love a gimmick. Uh, John, so you want to tell them how we'll be doing this series? Yeah, so Midnight at Camp Blood is, uh, it, we, we are living the Midnight at Camp Blood life here at Nightmare Headquarters at home. We're watching every single one of these movies outside, on the projector, in the in the, the woods, the atmosphere, wh where a, either a bear or Jason Voorhees could come out and attack us at any minute. Any point. Any fucking minute. And we're trying to watch these movies at midnight, recording immediately afterwards. So. Yeah, so you're still going to get some sleepy vibes. Right, yeah. If you if you enjoyed us going like, oh, man, I'm just tired. Who cares about this Freddy guy? You're going to get at least one of those also, uh, in this series. we're totally going for atmosphere. I don't know if you can hear, but we're outside right now and sitting around a campfire. Oh, fucking bugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the, the original plan was to record outside. Like, set up the recording equipment and the projector. But we realized very early on in our watching movies outside experience, it's fucking damp out here. It gets real wet. It's nuts. Like, you set up the projector and the DVD player. Even just your chair. Before the end of the movie, you're like, why am I damp? Everything's wet. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really feel comfortable bringing all of the recording equipment outside. But I've recorded a whole bunch of ambiance. Yeah, no, we're we're giving the vibes. Yeah. Everybody, you're close your eyes, meditate. You're sitting around a campfire. Oh, what is that? Oh dear God, no! Get the bear spray. <laughs> no, no, everything's fine. Get ready. We're gonna talk about some scary movies. And kicking off our very first episode. Surprise, surprise, we are talking about Friday the 13th from 1980, the OG. Insert trailer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? I'm going to come out and say it, and this is not something I would have said five years ago, ten years ago, maybe even two years ago. Friday the 13th is the best horror franchise. I feel like we've said this on the podcast before. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not ready to say this first first episode out the gate, first film in, but it's pretty solid. That's because you know there's a few in here you don't like, which is silly, because the ones you don't like are the best of the franchise. We'll get to them when we get to them. All right. <laughs> but may- maybe there should be a little bit of an asterisk beside the word best. I think it's just the franchise that... Solid. It's the most solid. Yeah. it's Consistently it's, entertaining. It's the most consistent. It's the best bang for your buck. And, and maybe, maybe it all comes down to that summer vibe. Because I fucking love watching these movies in the summertime. Oh, yeah. I think the real inspiration for this podcast series was two years ago. I think it was in the middle of, yeah, it was early pandemic when we were all going to drive-ins and just watching classic movies. We saw the original Friday the 13th at our local drive-in in the middle of the woods, and it was like we had never seen the movie before in our lives. I had almost a horror epiphany. Like, yeah. my eyes were reopened. <laughs> yeah, the stars are out, bugs are everywhere. And the sound was shit, but we had it so <laughs> loud that, you know, like, the speakers were struggling and it was crackling a little bit, and you're like, wow, it feels just like 1980. Yeah, I was gonna, it's the closest <laughs> you can get to time travel <laughs> without a flux capacitor. It was 
a transcendent experience. And uh, and I gotta say, we should really be watching this movie, Friday the Thirteenth, the first day of summer. I think this is how we should fucking kick summer off. Because this, it, it is, this movie kind of just feels like summer. This one in particular. It's also great for a summer wind down, though, because, like, it's the death of summer. Okay. You're, you're killing kids. But you have to, you, you got to come in early. You're killing them in their youth, you know, before. Like, I, I guess, so we're, we're watching this August. Like, we're not fully through summer, but we haven't matured yet into <laughs> fall. This is the right time to do it. Yeah. We're taking summer down in its prime. But yeah, if there's one thing that, one, doing these series have taught me, and also, yeah, the pandemic with just a lot of free time, is that creating a vibe around your movie watching yeah, yeah, yeah. is so next level. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people are doing it for the gram, and they're setting up these really cool, like, Halloween living rooms and stuff, and you're like, fuck, I could watch a movie there. But I think curating your movie watching to the movie you're actually watching. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you don't have a projector, not a lot of people have a fucking projector because they're, like, a huge uh, situation to set up. Hey, it took us a long time to get this. We had, a, like, a blanket in the backyard with a, the... We were projecting from a phone at one point. We projected on a stolen sign. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, a Coors Light sign that my brother had stolen as a teenager that was in the garage for, like, 30 years. It was the only piece of blank white that we had. <laughs> and we are like, Perfect! Uh, and we nailed it to the fence. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like even just taking the smallest TV in your house and putting it outside and watching it outside in the dark. Yeah. Like it fucking changes the game. Yeah, it's like a 4D experience. You you could even just get away with making a cocktail or a dinner that's paired with the movie. Yeah, or turning all the lights off and lighting every single candle you own that's, and just arranging yeah. them in the center of the table in front of you. That's a vibe Kim loves. <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> My, like, we need more candles. And hey, if you live in an apartment and you can't get out, you can you know open the window, get some of the sounds, I guess. That's going to work real well yeah, for get Jason those crickets, Manhattan. Let a cricket in your house. Oh yeah, so that yeah, you can put on you can put on some ambient sound from your phone, so that way it sounds like you're outside. Uh, but I also just love make putting trailers ahead of a movie. Like I make it, I pretend this is something that we did in the pandemic because I was just desperate to go to the fucking movies. I mean, you've done it for the Fiend Club a few times. You've made them trailer reels. Oh yeah, I love doing it. I love the the experience of pretending like you're at the movies, especially for an old movie. Like I love because I always try and find trailers that I think would have played ahead of Friday the Thirteenth. Now, movies that were released that season exactly from Paramount themselves like they're the per- they're the people putting out the trailer the reel. Coca-Cola ad from that year that's pretty much my go-to I need to have a Coca-Cola <laughs> ad if I can find like a, a weird local beer ad like just like a small company that Bush Anheuser bought uh, like with a bear in it usually <laughs> those <laughs> those are always the best but it's so good because it sets you before the movie you're in that mentality yes, you're like exactly oh, I'm in 1983 don't you find sometimes you sit down and it's 20 30 minutes you're into a movie before you're locked into it yeah because like you okay cool I'm pressing play but like in your head you're still dealing with whatever fucking to do's you had the bullshit day you had at work a fight you had with your roommate you can't lock into it yet like immediately so the, the the trailers the drinks the the atmosphere that helps that helps set the stage and then the movie is like this feature presentation yeah and it like eventizes it we are nerds that's what i'm learning we are just nerds <laughs> i think but we're cool spooky ones. spooky nerds sure <laughs> but we're taking this a step too far no Okay. No. I, listen, I, listen to this ambience. You think? <laughs> do you think this podcast would be half as good without these faux chirping noises? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. That crackling fire. The Listen. sound of a stranger walking just beyond the tree line where you can't see. Ch-ch-ah-ing. <laughs> <laughs> so 100%, I'm just going to say this right now. I was planning on doing it as a secret, but if anybody wants to keep an eye out for it, anytime we mention Jason Voorhees, I'm putting that in. <laughs> Love it. Um, I guess we should talk about the fucking movie now. Sure. I mean, I, that seems like a good idea. That's what we're here to do. Uh, I'll kick this off by saying uh, that I have such regrets about being born too late. <laughs> Don't you fucking like? Yeah, obviously we all want to be able to watch, you know, Psycho and see what it's what it's like without knowing the ending, or or the Sixth Sense or something. But Friday the Thirteenth, especially, is a movie I wish I could have watched with zero context. Yeah, every time I watch it, I try to like take myself back, and I'm gonna do it with every movie in this franchise. Watching it like the movies that came after do not exist. Not gonna. Oh, okay. So All it's right. it's the most recent Friday Thirteenth film every time I'm watching it. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, so I'm trying to not let any of the later films infiltrate my mind because they don't exist yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just enjoying it for what it is and what it's trying to do, and pretending it is the last Friday the Thirteenth film. Every single one you watch, it's the last one. I think you should do your hair for the year that the movie came out. Like, to really, you know, like, That's, again... That is, that is taking it too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for you personally, you're like, okay, it's 1980, I'm gonna... I guess you could just match it to the movie. Like, I've got my Adrian King sort of... Se- it's, you know, straddling Adrian the 70s King and and Kevin 80s. Bacon had the exact same haircut. They sure did. They look like almost the same person if you just whited out their face with Photoshop. But damn, seeing Friday the 13th had to be such a wild experience because also the the advertising, I think, was fairly vague. Just like, oh, from the fucking psychopaths that made Last House on the Left comes the most terrifying movie ever. Here's the title, Breaking Through a Piece of Glass, figure it out. Well, I remember they put an ad out in the newspaper for the film before they had anything done, and they're like, no, we got to capitalize on Halloween. We're doing a a Friday the 13th film. Uh, Get some broken glass, and then have it exploding through the glass, and full page. And they did, and they didn't have any plot or anything. That's for how they it. sold the fucking movie. But I have to, I have to disprove your last statement because what? there's a trailer oh. from the '80s where they go through every single kill. They go one. Oh right, kill. I, to- two, I completely forgot about that. X to the that. face. Three, arrow through the throat. <laughs> you're right. No, that's true. Okay. And you're like, wow. <laughs> This is worse than Blumhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're all so mad about about trailers being spoilers now, but back in the day, they were like, hey, here's the whole movie. If you want to see the stuff in between the good parts, you come buy a ticket. Back, back then, you saw it once and you forgot about it, and then yeah. six months later, the movie came out. There wasn't and this gigantic year-and-a-half-long campaign. Yeah, I've seen that fucking Brad Pitt bullet train trailer so many times, I don't even need I to see I don't want to see the movie anymore. I have, like, this is the quiet car. Like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a great scene. If, if you hadn't watched it eight times already. And he drinks his fucking sparkling water and chucks it at that guy's head. That's a good move. I like that move, actually. <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, that's cla- this is how you know he's a trained assassin. I did like the thunk sound. <laughs> okay, anyway, Friday the 13th. Yeah, but I, I, I just mean, like, you know it's a horror movie. You know people die. But you don't know the inner workings of what's happening. Is it a supernatural story? Is it a, is it just a fucking psycho killer movie? Because there are at least hints throughout that it might be because Friday the 13th is a superstitious day, you know? Well, yeah, because we when we're going to the camp, 
you hear all these rumblings about how the camp has a death curse and the camp is cursed because they kept trying to reopen it. And the cold open is one of those instances where they tried to reopen the camp and somebody got murdered. Well, a couple got murdered. I'm going to try not to be the, the nitpicky nerd here, but like that those uh, that's the year after Jason died. That's the the, that's the kill that closed oh, the camp. Oh, okay. And I think the, the tow truck driver mentioned that in 1962, a few years later, they tried to reopen, but the water was bad. Yeah, which, and I was going to say, the water being bad, like, that leads for kind of a supernatural thing. Like, the there's sour soil at Camp oh, yeah. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's just bad. Like, it's, it is genuinely a cursed place. Because we don't know why that kid drowned. Maybe maybe the kid drowned because there was something in the water. Um, but yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah, a Voorhees. <laughs> and, and two, the first time we're really seeing Alice and we get Alice as a character, she's on a fucking ladder. And if there's anything that's superstitious-y, it's ladders. And she's not she's not one hands oning She's holding, like, nails and... I'm surprised there weren't, like, black cats walking across people's paths and, like, somebody walking under the ladder. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a whole bunch of goofy, superstitious stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think they are really leaning on Halloween because 1978, Halloween, you have Michael Myers walking through the house in that stunning POV. They really lean on that for the killer in this one. Yeah. And um, something really fucking cool. And as I was watching this, you know, pretending I had never seen it before, pretending none of the other movies in the franchise existed, the characters, especially in the beginning, all either recognize the killer or are not immediately perturbed by the killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, knowing who it is, knowing it's Pamela Voorhees, you're like, oh, yeah, because she's not an immediate red flag. Mm -hmm. She looks, yeah, she looks like a a lady you'd get in the car with if you were hitchhiking. Totally. But the fact that everybody's guard drops, that you're just like, who the fuck is this killer? Especially Steve Christie, right? Like, oh, hey! Oh! (laughs) Like, he gets, like, just, like, a half a second of, like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Oh, my stomach! (laughs) Yeah, and... (laughs) That's not good! (laughs) And the, and the campers who were, like, fornicating up in the attic who died in the very beginning, they're like, oh, we we weren't doing nothing. We're just going to go back downstairs. And, like... And, they, yeah, they're definitely caught by the cook, right? They would have recognized Yeah, her. an employee, a you, senior. You loved that they... That this time around, you're like, they were singing Christian songs with that guitar before they went off to have sex. <laughs> just felt a little hypocritical to me. Oh, yeah, no big surprise. <laughs> also, that camp Crystal Lake was at some point a Christian camp. All camps were Christian camps. I think, hell, even isn't the Boy Scouts of America still kind of like a Christian organization? It's, it's still kind of. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed this time around, and it kind of tag, tags onto your, your Pamela Voorhees thing about nobody being uh, scared of her, is that the music only, like like Jaws, and Harry Manfredini only has the scary music show up with the killer. That's that's kind of a given. But like the thing that I'd forgotten about is that there are scares in the movie, like when uh, that shithead launches a dart right into the target as as uh, as Brenda's setting it up, and there's no music sting on that. Like it's a scary moment. It's kind of a bit of a jump scare. It's not just you know it's not as good as like a cat and like Row! coming out of the out of the closet or anything. But it is a moment that's supposed to make you go, oh shit. Uh, and, you know, because it's a horror movie, you're maybe thinking that the killer is behind her, but there's no music behind it, so it's not its not immediately as scary. Huh. What's, what's fucking brilliant about that is that uh, Harry Manfredini, he, I mean, like, this is all classic horror movie stuff, but it's done so well, and it's done, you know, fairly early on in, in the use of this, where he, he, you know, he brings in the scary music as somebody's getting stalked by the killer, but then the music goes away. 
right before the kill. So, like, even if you're not paying attention to the music, your brain is relaxing for a half a second before the, you know, before the fucking arrow comes through his goddamn throat. Or before an axe gets dropped into that girl's face. You, you, like, there's a moment where your heart and your lungs go, okay, we can take a second to breathe. Oh, fuck! They got us again! Yeah, the score is really good. I think that the moment that I noticed it the most at the very end of the film, when Adrian King thinks that she's all safe, and she's in the boat, and it's like this, like, la, 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 happy shit. And then when Jason jumps out of the water, it switches over, but there's no break in between the two. No, no, no. So it goes from, like, ah, serene, we survived, it's the morning, the cops are here. (laughs) 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 Fucking classic. What, what I'm really getting at with the music there is uh, you, you were doing this thing last time we talked about this movie where you made us watch the scene and go, okay, you are Adrian King. You're Alice. When do you know I do that this is that. the woman that killed all of your friends? I was really paying attention to you that scene this time. You were paying attention. I was, I was paying attention <laughs> to this scene uh, this time around. For that, because I, I I was really trying to clock the music and how Harry Manfredini was playing with that, and literally like it's 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 all just sad music. She's discovering the bodies. Like it is one of the scenes in the movie that has a score uh, that isn't a scary score, but literally as soon as she says the word Jason, like a boy died here, his name was Jason. You dun 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 dun. Like we go into the creepy music. It's quiet. Well, she starts it's, looking off. Into- well, yeah, she, yeah, she's looking off, and like, you could see it. In her eyes like when she looks back at Alice you're like ooh she's a fucking cobra snake and she's standing up and I gotta get I gotta back the fuck out of here before she sinks her venom in me props to Pamela though the kills in this movie are fucking ace yeah this is her second time around killing people and, and she's, she's a she's come out of pro. fucking retirement you would think this. she's been training the whole time yeah you had the best theory in the podcast that when we covered this film that she didn't know anything about the reopening of the camp until she gave uh, Annie the ride to the camp. And, and Annie's like, yeah, we're opening back up, la, 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 I'm going to be this, la, 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 la. Oh, yeah, and she's going to be the cook uh-huh. is the other thing. Like, literally, the cook <laughs> picks up the cook. <laughs> she has to come out of retirement in that fucking moment. Do you think she lives in the area? Because oh, there's, yeah, there's a chance absolutely. she only drove into town because oh, of the camp. I think she still lives there because... Steve Christie oh, she's is still, friends with them. still familiar. They have the same fucking Jeep. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's that's a good move. I like that, too. Like, that's, that's a genius move by the end of the movie because you associate the Jeep with Steve. Mm-hmm. And it, it, anyway, like we're getting too into the no, woods on that. No, but it's smart shit. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, I love I love just thinking about when she becomes the killer. Like, is, is this her mission now where, like, the camp stays closed no matter what like she heard that they were gonna try and reopen it in 62 so she fucking poisoned the water like she's just like dumping barrels of toxic waste into the, into the lake she's Betty White on the other side of the lake instead of feeding the alligator she's just like dumping rat poison yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like she's done everything in her power to keep it closed or does she just hear that it's happening and then immediately flips the switch like uh, like Norman Bates and Mrs. Bates I mean boy does she ever flip a fucking switch she's got a oh yeah but she also can just wear a mask. That's my fucking favorite part about the end of this, when you know that it's Pamela Voorhees, because she's literally tossing bodies through the window at Alice. Like, you scared yet? Like, she's really taking her time 
scaring the fuck out of Alice. Like, here's your, here are all your dead friends. And then she gets into, she runs off, gets into a Jeep, and drives up to be all nice to her. Like, she didn't have to do that. After she's, like, put a body in the rafters and all kinds of shit. Yeah. She's got muscles under that sweater. That's, yeah. Can you imagine, like, if we ripped off that sweater, we'd just see that she's been fucking pumping iron for 50 years <laughs> since her son left. She's just got a photo of Jason in, a, like, an empty garage. And she's just, uh, 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 uh. Like, I'd love to see what she could bench press. <laughs> At the very least, we know she can bench press a full adult man. Well, yeah, because she lifts Bill in that fucking gas uh, in where the generator is. Oh, yeah, because he pops shed. out from the rafters, right? No, because she has him hanging on the door. Oh, God, I completely forgot about that. That's right. Man, there's so much going on in that one kill because he's he's pinned to the wall. He's got Impaled a, with arrows. Impaled with arrows. His throat is slit. Uh, she really went to town on Bill. Also, <laughs> also, she threw Brenda through the window. I don't think I could throw a person through Not a, a corpse. <laughs> Not with that big, heavy boat rope on her. That shit's heavy, too. I, I, I couldn't throw the boat rope. And she'd be wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all of her clothes? Damn, that's extra weight. <laughs> um, my favorite kill, though, is absolutely Marcy's kill in the shower. Um, that one's grown on me. You know, it hits me every single time I watch it because I, I think I know what it is. I remember what it is. I even have the visual of where she is in the shot and where the axe comes in. Yeah. But it still, like, hits you when you see it. It, it looks great, I too. I think it's because she's a little bit alive when she's falling oh, down. Oh, don't say that. Like, No, this is a fun movie. Her, I don't like that. Her <laughs> eye is, like, blinking a bit. Like, she's, <laughs> she's reacting to the brain damage. Like, it's, Damn. It's it's. It hits you in the fucking gut. Now also, a... she's so cute when she's like in the shower and in the bathroom on her own. Oh, she's like, doing her Lizzie, imp- like she's doing her um, Liza Minnelli impression. It's so fun and so cute. Also, there's something even more gut wrenching about it. She fixes the sink because the sink isn't set up yet. Later on in the oh, night, that's right. Brenda comes to brush her teeth or whatever, and she uses that sink. Yeah, well she, It's yeah. just the fact that we saw it get repaired and what happened there previously. It's an oddly dark moment. It is. I I used to laugh at that moment, especially when Marcy turns to see her killer holding the axe and she just sort of like freezes and ah! <laughs> like right before getting hit. But there's a moment 15 minutes before that where she's explaining to, to her Kevin Bacon boyfriend about this recurring nightmare she used to have about being trapped in the rain and then the rain turns to blood and it washes everything away. I remember talking about this so much in the po- in the original podcast Because we had just never paid attention to it, I and guess. And you're just like, whoa, what the fuck is Friday the 13th doing? Yeah, they, and the, this is where, like, the supernatural kind of stuff comes in, right? Like, this is the, this is the fucking uh, Final Destination moment of death where you realize you're gonna die and you've had a premonition about it, but you can't tell anybody because you're dead. And like, it's pouring outside. It's pouring outside. She's in the shower. She's she's gonna get covered in fucking blood. Uh, so like, I think that she's just so paralyzed because of that. Like, it's like, oh fuck, this is this is the dream that I've been having. Like, I've seen my own death a thousand times. Well, and that she's turned around and there's a woman holding an axe high above her head. Yeah, with, I mean that's gonna scare rage anybody. Eyes. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> I'm probably not like karate chop. Like, it's my <laughs> reflexes are not that good. I'm probably just like, hey, cool axe. Like that's- also, she's post-coitus. She's in a state of bliss. <laughs> we went from the petite death to le grand mort. 
<laughs> uh, fucking props to that sex scene. At first, you're like, wow, this is really gratuitous. This is going on. How are they allowed to show these Kevin Bacon humps <laughs> and these like faces of ecstasy? But then the camera pans back. And their dead kid has been on the top bunk the whole time. Right. Oh, it's just so fucking good. How did they not see? They, they were so horny they couldn't see their own dead friend on the bunk above them. <laughs> it's just pure perfection. <laughs> it seems like a good time to mention, especially with the, the, the gratuitous nature of the sex scene and the all of those. It's not gratuitous. It's just really romantic. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, all I'm trying to say is we, we watched the unrated cut. The like the un. Oh, we just got a, a, four extra pumps we got from four, Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> Worth the Blu-ray purchase, right? <laughs> well, I was just like the, the axe in the face stuff. Like we probably got a little more of it this time than we would normally have gotten in the theatrical cut. I definitely think Annie, when she gets killed in the woods, she gets her throat slit and it looks very real. It's pretty fucking gnarly. Yeah, like Tom Savini knows how to fucking hide an appliance. Like that's the biggest thing. Like there are plenty of people that do work just as good as him, but his his stuff, you don't see the seams on it. Except it, for, I will say, the, the Kevin Bacon arrow. Like, if you're looking for it, you'll see it. You, you think so? Mm-hmm. I think when he recreates that in The Burning, that looks a little more fake. But that's because that kid's neck looks like it's, like, ten yards too long. I, it still looks fucking amazing. Yeah. But, you know, like, we, I think we talked about this before, too, that the these movies weren't made for 4K restorations. 4K didn't Fuck exist no. back then. So they're like, ah, it'll, the film grain will hide it. They also weren't even just made for home video release. Like, you're going to see it in the theater once, it's going to exist in your memory, and it's gone. Like, it's got to look real great for that moment, but then that's it. It's, it's past. Also, half the audience are going to hide their eyes like this crazy girl. <laughs> half over the it. audience is making out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got four pumps and they didn't see the rest of the movie. <laughs> Kevin Bacon is a good boyfriend, though. I mean, he's fine. He seems decent. They all they all seem like decent kids. They even, are Even all the decent. shithead goof. You know, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to come to camp with costumes and a weird sense of humor. Uh, I love when he's wearing his, um, is it a fucking dolphin's jersey? As a diaper? As a diapie. <laughs> <laughs> when the cop shows up. It's yeah. perfect timing. Yeah, I just love, I know we talked about it a bit at the beginning, but like I just love how much of a summer movie it is. Like ever, All of the characters in this movie are in a completely different movie until they die. Yeah, and they're playing fucking Monopoly. Like They are having the rainy day at camp. And no one knows that their friends are dead. Like No one... It's the craziest thing. Alice is the only person who discovers that there's a murderer killing people, and it's only after everyone's already dead. It's crazy how proficient Pamela is. Yeah. She is real good at getting campers while they're isolated, and it's so justified because the camp is so spaced out. They're all in different bunks. They're all doing different things when the rain hits, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that totally makes sense. The three people, Alice and and Bill and... um, Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Alice, Bill, and I think it's Brenda are isolated in the one main cabin because they were there when it started raining. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon and Marcy are... We outs- never even bother to learn Kevin Bacon's name. We're like, it's Kevin Bacon. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Uh, they were outside, you know, listening about Mar- Marcy's weird nightmare when it starts raining, so yeah. they end up at the double bunks where, you know, are like, let's get naked. Oh, I guess we're trapped here in this cabin. <laughs> uh, the goof ends up with the killer and dies immediately. And it's great that he dies off camera because it makes that fucking bunk scare so much better. It's the best. Man, that's probably my favorite kill of the movie. And Um, it's not even the kill, technically. It's just the reveal of the kill. 
Oh, sorry, I meant Kevin Bacon. Oh, sorry. My yeah, brain just about- my brain just immediately <laughs> went to the arrow. It looks so good. It's so gnarly. Uh, it's also just that I don't know something about her hand coming up and grabbing his forehead so he can't go anywhere is also kind of just like odd and and scary. <laughs> and on the little level of fear that the blood drops on his head from the bunk up above before. Yeah. So he's got a moment of terror like what the fuck is that blood spot on the on that mattress? He never gets to find out. Oh, scary stuff. And as a horror fan, a completist horror fan, I'd be really upset if I didn't get to find out. Yeah, right? Yeah, you die without knowing that all of your other friends are dead or that they might die. You want to you want to at least know that you're part of something, you know? <laughs> we all want to belong to a group, whether it's a bunch of corpses or a bunch of horror nerds in a movie theater. Yeah, the other thing, like, and it's you know, it kind of goes back to to ripping off Halloween, is that it all takes place in one day. It's mostly over one night. Like we we see them in the beginning of the day. We watch the sunset. The fog rolls in. The rain clouds come, and uh, and then everybody starts dying. I love a movie that takes place in a short amount of time, especially one day. I don't think that it necessarily photographs the the setting sun as good as say Halloween does. But Halloween's also Halloween's also a specific day that we all have really strong memories of being outside right as the sun goes down. Like, kids are just like, we gotta get the fuck out! It's, it, it's twilight, it's dusk, this is our time to go out with our costumes, we'll do round two once it's darker, and they don't know that it's the same kids. Yeah, I think that comes down to the fact that they're trying to set it on a Friday the 13th, so yeah. this is when the kill goes down. Uh, that becomes less important. Oh, yeah, no. Especially it's, it's, it's his birthday. That's all that matters. Yeah, this is Jason's birthday. It's my birthday. I'll kill kids if I want to. <laughs> uh, I do think we should spend a little bit of time talking about Alice as a final girl. Because sure. I don't think she gets a lot of credit. And I think it's because she's a little too frightened. She gets a lot of frightened moments. She does a lot of redundancies. Like, she'll whack the shit out of Pamela Voorhees and then run away and then whack the shit out of Pamela Voorhees and then run away and then whack the shit out of Pamela Voorhees and then run away. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, But, I mean, she does whack the shit out of Pamela Voorhees. (laughs) And then run away. Like, Pamela has black eyes by the time they have the final showdown. Yeah. Because she has knocked the shit out of her. And, like, kudos to Pamela for getting up every time because she, she survives, like, frying pan whack, fucking... I don't know, other wax. <laughs> yeah, she hits her with as, as much stuff as she can. Yeah, like, they have quite a few rumbles before the final one. But the thing you notice about Alice, and she has such a goody-goody look, like she's wearing a full button-down, high-ass jeans, she's got a pretty prim haircut, very plain face, no makeup, whatever. She's obviously not so much like Marcy or the other girl. She's not as outspoken, but... When they're smoking weed, she's smoking weed. When oh, they're yeah. playing Strip Monopoly, she's playing Strip Monopoly. She also maybe slept with Steve already. That's what I wanted to talk <laughs> oh, okay, about. okay, all right. Yeah. Her fucking relationship with Steve Christie, who is definitely an older gentleman, yeah. is questionable. Yeah, and it seems like it's already over. It's like, a weird kind of romance that he definitely has the ups of the power dynamic. And she doesn't really want to be there anymore because I guess, you know, maybe she was like, you know, we have to stop doing this. We can't do this every summer or something like that. No shit. Like whatever that situation is. And he convinces her to stay, which is sad because like all that shit that goes down. Um but yeah, there's something there that the film doesn't really elaborate on that just they set it up and then you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and I mean, like, that's that's kind of how it would go at, like, a summer camp. You're like, do these two have a thing? I think they might have a thing. But, like, you never know anything about it. Because then also, too, you, you, you leave and go back to town. You don't see these people again for a whole other year. Mm-hmm. I think I think maybe people don't give her credit as a final girl because she doesn't do anything to become the last person on yeah, left standing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of luck that sh- she's 
left last. Yeah. She's just never alone. Exactly. She's never alone, and and uh, when she when she is left alone, she's inside. So, and she's I mean, kind of the final girl because she falls asleep. <laughs> we should all do that more. Like, if you're at a party, have a nap. You never know. You might survive. <laughs> that would be great, though. You just wake up. Well, not great, but, I mean, great for a movie. Oh, yeah, it'd be great if you woke up from a nap at a party and all your friends were dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's mean, what everybody's no, looking forward to. If that's the start of a movie and your, your final girl just wakes up and is the only one left, and you're like, Fuck me. <laughs> like that, well, if that's the reaction, that's also great. You're like, why does this always happen? <laughs> like, you're, you're hanging out with your friends like, oh, yeah, don't you hate it? There's always one person at the party who, like, stinks up the toilet. You're like, oh, yeah, don't you also hate it when like, you wake up and all your friends are dead, right, everybody? Doesn't that fucking suck? They're <laughs> like, ooh, I don't know if we can be friends with Alice anymore. <laughs> yeah, Alice kicks a lot of ass, and she uh, she goes toe-to-toe with Pamela Voorhees, who, who seems unstoppable. Yeah, she cuts her fucking head off. Yeah, I think like uh, like like a James Bond villain, Pamela Voorhees is uh, you know Achilles' heel is that she wants to talk about it, which is great because she's gonna kill her. She doesn't have to explain this to her because she's gonna be dead, but she needs to tell. Somebody. She goes into full mom mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's so. Let me tell you about my son. Like she's so <laughs> proud. <laughs> I also just love the decision for Alice to climb in the canoe at the end and float in the lake because it just feels like, you know, she set herself up where she's she's in the absolute corner of the room, so mm. to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she's barricaded herself in a cabin. She knows that didn't fucking work. And yep. just to be in a canoe in, a, in the lake and she thinks, you know, it's over, it's done. But you're still, like, you're still adrenaline pumping. You're still terrified. You still have all that fucking fresh trauma. And it's haunting and kind of perfect as a denouement and then fucking they have that supernatural cap on the film Fuck where yeah, they do. little baby Jason comes up and is just like Rah! I don't necessarily love when she wakes up from the hospital and all that stuff I could kind of do with that like, where's the boy? Yeah. The boy in the lake I think they could have they could have ended it just right there. Mm-hmm. I would have walked out of the theater going like what the fuck was that ending? Yes. Yeah. Because you have no full supernatural hint until that moment. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's 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 odd to have her in the hospital. But I guess they 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 figured people are going to have too many fucking questions like it might bomb if we don't have anything about it. So if we if we at least then leave he's it still there. Yeah, we got to at least leave it with like maybe she hallucinated or or it actually happened and nobody believes her. Uh, that's that's probably the smart way to go. If you were making this movie now, you would totally just you, you know you would just leave it with that image. I mean, hell, you know, we're stepping out of the rules of the of the franchise for a second. Like as far as the remake goes, that's exactly how they end it. Like Jason pops out of the water and we go to credits, baby. But uh, I love thinking that he's like one of those dinosaur pellets that you put in the water and then he's oh, like, and you just gotta wait for him to grow. The size. Like at the end of part one, they put a baby Jason in there, and then by the time we start tar- uh, part two, he's yeah. fully grown. Oh man, yeah, and he's but it's a miracle grow of toxic pollution. <laughs> so rather than growing to a good boy, he's a killing machine. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> so, we, like, when we did the Never Sleep Again series, we had, you know, we talked about whether or not Freddy had chutzpah. We ranked the posters. Uh, we talked about the lair. Do you got some sort of criteria you want to keep for, for Camp Blood? Yes. So, because we're kind of keeping in the theme of, you know, midnight at Camp Blood, we're sitting around at the campfire here at Camp Blood, I think we should rate the camps themselves. That's a good idea. Each of the locations in the films. Okay, so we, we are saying locations. We're not going to maybe 
knock a movie points because it's not at a camp? Is that what I'm hearing? We're not going to knock okay, Space good. or Manhattan. Yeah, that's right. We're not. Uh, <laughs> but the, the quote-unquote camp. The, yeah, got the, it. The camps. Yeah. Obviously, this one is fucking fantastic. It's the Hell first yeah. one, so there's no way to like. This is actual order Camp it. Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah, this is the OG. I think the cabin setup is perfect for isolating the campers, yeah. especially as soon as you add rain. Mm-hmm. And I really like the beach in this one. I love the docks and the way it's set up and yeah. just how expansive it is. Yeah, it looks like a real camp because it is a real camp. Like it's it's picture perfect camp. Camp, camp, camp. So yeah, A plus camp. A plus. We don't really have, well, I mean, Jason is in it. I think we should talk about J- Jason's design, Jason's look, you know, what's he, what's he wearing, who's he wearing this year kind of situation. <laughs> uh, he is in it a little bit. Uh, Jason is uh, walking down the runway now. He's wearing lake. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing lots of decay, regret, grief, and the mistakes of two fornicating counselors. It's So if we're going to rank Jason's, though, like... I don't know if we should talk Jason in this one. I think we should talk Pamela. Look, obviously think- we're going to talk about Pamela. She's wearing a killer sweater, but like for a half a second, let's talk about Jason. What do you think of that little boy? He's a kid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Way to go, Jay. <laughs> but yeah, I think Pamela is a fucking fantastic killer. You um, you don't expect her, one, because you don't think she exists until she's revealed. Yeah. But she's so disarming with mm-hmm. uh, her like I'm just a mom look. That big smile too like I'm not afraid come on it's this place just gets to you let's go inside and have a look. That and fucking I, scene when she's just like I'm not afraid I was like oh I know why you're oh, not afraid. I know. <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it was a cool idea to take a mother's love and make it evil. We do that a lot now actually it, really it's a mother's love that saves the day so still a good idea to take a mother's love and twist it into this dark fucking motive for murder. But yeah, I love uh, I love Pamela's sweater in this movie. <laughs> so good, they keep it around for a few other movies. <laughs> it becomes Jason's Achilles heel. Right? For best kills, obviously, I'm going to go with... Oh, I want to pick Marcy, but I think I'm going to go with the reveal in the bunk bed. It's not technically a kill, but it's a kill reveal, and I think it's it's just such a perfect exclamation point. Well, I think it's great, too, because we also don't know that he was dead. So that's the thing. Like, it totally counts. You kind of assume, but yeah. It's... Well, yeah, because he sees a person, follows them, and then we never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> so good, though. My, my favorite kill, like, like I mentioned earlier, is obviously the Kevin Bacon arrow through the neck, but my favorite scary moment of the movie is when Jason pops out of the water. I think it's fucking incredible. It's yeah. in slow motion. It looks inc- it looks awesome on the water. And yeah, because like because of that sharp cut into the, the into the different score, it totally fucking works. Yeah, and watching it pretending you know nothing about it and I'm sure it pales one tenth comparison of what it was really like in the theater to see it in 1980, oh, but pretending that it's going to shock you, just pretending that you don't know it's there, pretending like there's no other Friday the 13th films just how fucking jarring that is. It is just a great way to cap off a scary movie. Fucking love it. Now, we we forgot to talk about ratings at the beginning of this movie. Obviously, this movie was met with uh, some pretty some pretty divisive reception at the time. Some critics liked it. Most critics, especially Gene Siskel, went on a fucking campaign against it. We talked about that in the episode we recorded last year, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But uh, Friday the 13th, 1980, is currently sitting at a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a 63% rate on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Kim, how do you rate Friday the 13th, 1980? Uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 4. 
It's mm. just a dope slasher. It is really fucking good. Here's the other thing. Uh, we, we are rating it based on having watched it outside. It really pumps it up, man. It's a, <laughs> that's a half point bump. Like I, I it's, kind of, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's a great start to the series. The finale is a little long and tedious. Yeah, like, that's really... why I'm that's yeah, I'm going 3.5 out of 4. It's... Like I was going to say 4 4 seems hard. It's real high. I've got I've got some movies in this franchise that I I know I'm giving a 4 out of 4. So I'm 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 going three point seven five. Is that fair? <laughs> Can I do that? Can I continually change my rating until we go to the outro? Yeah, yeah, you totally can. Yeah, I would say that watching this outside gave it a point five bump, and just the entire cabin atmosphere gave it a point five bump. Yeah, no, it's the it's honestly uh, I know I know none of the other movies exist, Kim, but it's the best camp of the movie, like as far as summer we'll camp see what goes. your rating is if that holds up. Okay, well I'm not I'm not officially keeping full rankings of all of this. We will rank the movies in the franchise it's a little silly to do it right now but number one in the franchise ranking right of the 13th currently holding the number one spot yeah uh but I, I think we'll just point at the one the camp we like the most like this is my <laughs> this is my favorite camp this is the one thank you so much for joining us here at midnight on camp blood it is time to tuck in for the night uh the rooster crows at 6 a.m or the trumpet blows at 6 a.m you have to find a, a putting out the fire sound. Like we're um, we're wrapping up. This is Are You Afraid of the Dark? And we're wrapping up. I was probably just going to pull it from Are You Afraid of the okay. Dark? Yeah. That was pretty good. All right. Well, now that we've 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 uh, observed our fire safety, it's time to tuck in, and we'll see you next Friday for another episode of Midnight at Camp Blood. Thank you so much for being a patron and joining the Fiend Club. We hope you enjoy these episodes. If you haven't yet checked out the Never Sleep Again series, the entire thing is available here on Patreon for you to listen to to tide you over while we work on the next Camp Blood episode. But until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. Should we say stay campy? Stay campy. Act like you want it. (laughs) (laughs) We've spared your soul this week, fiend, but only because you've earned it. More exclusive content can be found lurking at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.